Welcome to International Marxist Radio, the official podcast of the International Marxist Tendency, Marxist.com. Join us every single week for Marxist news, theory, and analysis. Hi comrades, Joe Attard from IMR here. We're breaking slightly from our planned schedule and welcoming back Jorge Martin, who you'll remember spoke last week on the Spanish conquest of the Americas. Today we're going to talk about events that are currently underway in Latin America. Towards the end of last year, there was a congressional coup against Pedro Castillo, the democratically elected president of Peru, and subsequently... Uh, events in Peru have escalated. Workers and peasants who have been opposing Castillo's dismissal and arrest um, have come under attack by the usurper Congress government. And Jorge has agreed to come in and talk about these events, offer some background and talk about what socialists, internationalists and the trade union movement ought to be doing in order to resist this anti-democratic attack on the people of Peru. So uh, Jorge, thanks again for joining us. It's a pleasure, as always. So, in case any of our listeners aren't up to speed, would you mind catching us up briefly on how we got here? Yes, well, as you as you said, on the 7th of December, there was a coup uh, in Peru, and the pres- democratically elected president, Pedro Castillo, was removed from uh, office. Now, Castillo was elected in uh, June 2021 in a very close close, uh, second round of the presidential election against the main candidate of the right wing, the oligarchy, Keiko Fujimori, who is also the daughter of Fujimori, who was the president of of, um, of Peru and was also a dictator for for a period of time in in the 1990s. Now, uh, the reason why Pedro Castillo was elected is because people thought that he will deliver fundamental change. He is a uh, teacher, trade unionist, who had led an important struggle of the, of the teachers a um, few years earlier. He is also from a rural background, from Cajamarca, and he, he belongs to the Rondas Campesinas, the peasant patrol uh, units that exist in in Peru. So uh, he he was seen as someone who was also not part of the Lima-based elite, uh, comes man of the people, and his main election slogan was never again poor people in a rich country, Uh, meaning uh, part of his program was that they they were going to renegotiate the contracts with the mining multinationals, which dominate the country. The country's main wealth is, is its mineral resources. And um, in favor of uh, Peru, he was going to renegotiate these contracts. And also he was going to renationalize the gas fields of uh, Camisea, which is another source of income for the country. This is what got him elected. Uh, The workers and peasants voted for him, particularly in the poorer uh, districts of the country, in the south, in the Andean uh, region, where the majority of the Aymara and Quechua-speaking indigenous people are based. He also got a substantial vote in Lima, but there's no doubt in some of the mining districts in the south, he got 80% of the, of the vote and so on. He was elected on the, on the basis of workers, peasants and the poor 
the oppressed minorities voting for him for fundamental change. He also promised a constituent uh, assembly. You have to remember to, to draft a new constitution. We have to remember that the Peruvian constitution is the one that was written in 1993 under the Fujimori dictatorship. So it's completely undemocratic. He was, he was elected on the basis of this program. As soon as he was elected, he started making concessions to the right wing and to the oligarchy. Right, uh, the more um, perceived radical members of his cabinet um, were, were dismissed. Yeah, he, he was in a difficult position, it has to be said, because he didn't have a parliamentary majority. On the contrary. But he started making concessions to the ruling class and the oligarchy. And as you say, uh, Prime Minister Guido Bellido was removed. Foreign Affairs Minister Behar was removed. The Minister of Labor was removed. And everyone who was uh, an annoyance for the ruling class uh, was removed from the government. They were placed with businessmen, the moderates, the so-called caviar left. People right. the ruling class could rely on to keep Castillo in check. Precisely. And there were... I don't know how many, maybe four or five different cabinets uh, and, and prime ministers under the, under the, in the short space of time. The Castillo was in power, 16, 16 months. They attempted to remove him three times through a parliamentary figure, which is known as uh, the vacancy, when, when, which allows the Congress to remove the president. But this is a very vague uh, constitutional provision, which uh, it means that Congress can remove the president if they don't like him. So <laughs> if the president doesn't have a majority, as was the case of Pedro Castillo, he's under constant threat of being removed. Finally, on the 7th of December, there was a third, for the for third time, there was a motion up for his removal. And then he moved. He decided to close down Congress. He made a speech in which he argued, quite correctly, that Congress had uh, sabotaged and boycotted his uh, whole uh, presidency. They didn't allow him to. Uh, to uh, they didn't. They didn't allow his uh, proposals through, including the proposal for a referendum for a constituent assembly, and therefore he was closing down Congress. Some, some people have presented this as a coup yeah, by and Castillo. Let's, and let's cl clarify that point because certainly uh, in the West. A lot of defenders of the coup, apologists for the actions of Congress, have made the argument that Castillo, in fact, was the one who attempted to launch a yes. coup because he tried to close down the democratically elected Congress. But of course, this isn't the first time that Congress has tried to prevent Castillo from carrying out the program that he was elected on, the program that yes. represented the aspirations of the Peruvian workers and poor, as you say. Yeah, but further, further than this... He, he does have, the president of Peru does have the power to close down Congress. Right. Not, not to close down Congress indefinitely. Mm. He, he actually, in the same decree, he called for new elections to take place within, within three or four months, I, I think. And that's perfectly legal and constitutional. So even on the basis was, of constitutionality, this was perfectly he legal. He was acting within his uh, rights. But immediately, his own ministers deserted him. His own vice president deserted him. And the state prosecutor issued an arrest warrant against him for rebellion. Uh, and so while he was trying to go and seek refuge in the Mexican embassy, he was arrested by his own security detail and the police. He was uh, detained and very shortly afterwards, he was uh, sentenced to an 18-month pre-trial detention which is a longer period of time than he ha he was allowed in the presidential uh, office. Mm -hmm. And that same afternoon, 
then Congress voted a motion to dismiss him, this vacancy motion, on a very uh, vague grounds of permanent moral incapacity. What that basically means is that nothing's been proven against him. There's been all sorts of allegations of nepotism, of corruption, and so on, but nothing has been proven. Nothing can be proven in a court of law. That's why they haven't followed that uh, route. They just want him out of the presidency and in jail, basically, behind bars at, mm. this, at this time. Right. Um, so that is a coup in, in my understanding of what a coup is. The, the, the democratically elected president has been removed uh, and uh, spurious uh, allegations and not even following the legal uh, procedures because if you think about it, the president cannot be arrested by, uh, not even by an order of the prosecutor as long as he's in the presidential office and he was arrested before he was removed. From the, they, they, they made so many, uh, they, they broke the law, basically. Uh, his arrest and dismissal is completely illegal under the, under the rules of bourgeois democracy in, in Peru. So that, that is a coup. It's a, it's a coup that was carried out through the Congress. So we can, you can call it a con congressional coup if you want. But certainly is the removal of the democratically elected president. By whom? By whom? Uh, by the oligarchy, mm. basically. The, the capitalist oligarchy. The confederation of uh, private uh, employers, the mass media, which is heavily monopolized and dominated by just one family, the, and their political representatives, which dominate uh, Congress. Congress, which is riddled by all sorts of uh, scandals, corruption scandals, allegations. There's, there's an MP who has now been tried for uh, several charges of rape and sexual assault. Mm. But the Congress still refuses to remove uh, immunity from him so that he, he can be put on trial. Is a, a Congress of thieves and uh, corrupt politicians, which serve the interests of the of the ruling class, basically. Apologies, by the way, to our listeners if you hear noise. There's work's going on outside. So, what was the reaction of the Peruvian working class, peasantry, young people, and the poor to this outrageous anti-democratic move against the elected president? There was immediately the beginning of a mass uh, movement. And I just forgot one, one detail, actually. The U.S. Embassy, of course, mm. was also involved. There were meetings between the U.S. Embassy and the Vice President, uh, Dina Boluarte, leading up to the coup. And uh, the United States was, was amongst the first countries to recognize the new government coming out of this coup, which was headed by Dina Boluarte, who had been... Uh, Pedro Castillo's vice president. How very interesting. The U.S. was definitely involved in it. And yes, there was a massive reaction of workers and peasants against this. On the basis of what? Not, not so much on the basis of the actual record of Pedro Castillo in government. As I said, the Congress had blocked all his initiatives. He had been making all sorts of concessions. People were already starting to be a bit disillusioned by, by uh, him and, and his term of office. But nevertheless, the basic principle for the majority of the people who came out to protest was, one, uh, we have elected this president, the oligarchy, wants to or capitalist oligarchy, wants to remove him. So therefore, we're against. And number two, the people who want to remove Pedro Castillo is the, this corrupt uh, den of thieves of a Congress. And therefore, we, we completely reject uh, that. So a movement started with mass demonstrations, both in the capital and uh, in the Andean uh, regions. The movement is stronger in the south. And this led very quickly, the coup was on the 7th, this led very quickly to a general strike being called by the CGTP, the main trade union confederation, for December the 15th. 
Uh, now the government immediately reacted with repression, the government of Dina Boluarte. Uh, they declared a state of emergency. They declared a curfew in several provinces. The state of emergency also meant that uh, the army was now in charge of certain aspects of uh, public security. And this led to, to the inevitable clash that took place on the, on the 15th of December, which was an actual, an actual blood, bloodbath. On that day alone, 20 protesters were killed by uh, the army, open fire on unarmed uh, civilian uh, protesters mm. uh, at, the, at the airport in Ayacucho, in other places in, uh, in Arequipa, in Puno. And uh, yeah, the record of the government is that in a month and a week, month and two weeks of uh, being in power, Dina Boluarte has already, uh, is already responsible for the death of, I think it's now 62 protesters have been killed by the police and the army. The police, the army is now off the streets, but the police still uh, out there and they are using AKM assault rifles. Military ordnance. Yeah, that's right. Firing on unarmed uh, civilians. This is completely uh, scandalous. And uh, this is the only way that this government can stay in, uh, in power. Uh, after the December 15th massive repression, particularly in the, in the south, then there was a small pause in the protests for Christmas, but then on the 4th of January, the movement restarted with uh, an indefinite strike in certain provinces, mass demonstrations, and the movement then tended to converge towards this uh, march on Lima, on the 19th of uh, January, which also coincided with a general strike called by the CGTP. The, the, this march was known as La, La Marcha de los Cuatro Suyos. This is the same name, the March of the Four Suyos. The, suyos, the Four Suyos are, are the four administrative corners, uh, four administrative provinces of the Inca Empire, which mm. represent the four cardinal points, north, south, east, west. Mm, relevant to our discussion last week. That's right. So... And La Marcha de los Cuatro Suyos already took place in the year 2000 when Fujimori refused to recognize the election uh, result in which he had lost. Uh, the masses of the people came, gathered, converged on the capital Lima and after two or three days of clashes and mass rep repression, demonstrations and so on, Fujimori was overthrown. So the idea of the workers and peasants and their organizations in Peru in calling for this March of the Four Suyos is to go to the capital, Lima, and remain in the capital until the, the, this government is gone, because this government is illegitimate. Uh, and, and this is basically uh, where, where we are at uh, now. There have, there have been a number of other massacres uh, in Juliaca, in Puno, where the, the, the ordinary people tried to take over the installations of the airport, and again the army opened fire. And there are, there are massacres like this, small or big, uh, all the time. Last night there were clashes in... Two, two days ago there were clashes in Ilave, Puno. Uh, then there were clashes in, in a number of other towns, small and big, across the country, where the people rise up, have mass demonstrations, and they are confronted with uh, police open, opening fire on unarmed uh, demonstrators. Mm. So you've spoken about the demand for the fall of the usurper government of Congress and Dina Boilate. What are the other demands of the workers and peasants movement? The, the main demands of the movement are the following. One, the release of Pedro Castillo, who is now behind uh, bars. Two, the dismissal 
of uh, resignation of Dina Boluarte, who is an Ill illegitimate uh, president. Number three, the closing down of Congress. This is also important because it's also what, what Pedro Castillo was trying to do. And then early elections. Congress in December decided that there will be early elections in 2024, but people want early elections now in 2023, as soon as possible. And then also the, co the convening of a constituent uh, assembly. Now, these are basic democratic demands pe people want, uh, the coup to be reversed and uh, basic democracy to be re reinstalled. And that's perfectly uh, logical and obviously we should support all these uh, demands. At the same time, I will say that a constituent assembly and the drafting of a new constitution will, will necessarily solve the main problems of the masses that are behind this uh, movement. It's not just uh, democratic questions. People uh, want, this, want the restoration of these democratic rights so that they can fight for more things like the, the renegotiation of the mining contracts so that ben they benefits the working people of Peru, renationalization of gas and, and so on. And this cannot be achieved by, by a mere change of the constitution. You can have any number of words, uh, nice words in a piece of paper, mm. uh, as long as economic power is in the hands of 17 group, economic groups, most of them are family-based uh, groups, and a handful of uh, international uh, multinationals, many of them from uh, Britain, Canada, the US, but also Mexico, China, uh, as long as this is the case, the, the, the basic conditions of the majority of the people will not change. And, and the slogan of Castillo, which is never again poor people in a rich country, will, will not be uh, fulfilled. Mm. You alluded earlier to the bloody hand of American imperialism behind this coup. Obviously, the Western so-called democracies are throwing billions of dollars in weapons and aid to support democracy in Ukraine, for example. Um, was this coup and have the murder of working class and poor people in Peru resisting this coup met with condemnation, sanctions, all of the kind of solidarity you would expect from the international community? Nothing. Nothing there's, at all. There's been nothing at all. On the opposite, quite the opposite, the, the, all the, the governments of the United States, the European Union and so on, they all have supported the new illegitimate president, and therefore they have uh, backed the, the, the removal of the democratically elected uh, president. It's quite scandalous. The United States is uh, backing this. At the same time that they are talking about the defense of democracy in Brazil, where there was this attempt, right. attempt by the Bolsonaro supporters to uh, take over the, the, the Congress and the presidency and so on, uh, at, at the same time, they, 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 don't, they don't say anything about a country which borders with uh, Brazil, where 60, over 60 protesters have been killed by uh, police, and where the, the democratically elected president has been uh, removed. The government of uh, Chile, for instance, has also recognized uh, Dina, Dina Boluarte as the president of uh, Peru. The only ones that have uh, stood out a, a little bit is uh, López Obrador in Mexico, Petro in, uh, in Colombia and to a certain extent the Argentinian government, they have protested against the coup, they have, uh, they have called on the restoration of democracy and so on. But, but the major powers have done nothing. Only now, when the situation seems to be escaping a little bit out of the control of, the, of Dina Boluarte, the European Union has finally issued a statement. And the statement is, uh, is, is a balanced statement, you know, balanced. 
between the government that's murdering the people and the people are being murdered. Right, yeah. And, uh, and it blames the protesters for carrying out uh, violence, but at the same time it says that the police should stay within, within the, the, the limits of what's nice and, and democratic, shouldn't use excessive force. International coverage, much the same, talking and about so clashes, on. clashes between yeah. the state forces and protesters. I've, see, I've seen uh, headlines saying, clashes in Peru leave 20 dead. Uh, people were not left dead. They were killed. They were killed by the police. Like, for instance, in Juliaca, where nine or ten people were killed in one single uh, day, the official forensic examination of the of the bodies of the victims determined that they had all of them been killed by police gunfire, mm. including uh, several of them had been killed by by assault rifles, which which are issued to the Peruvian uh, police. Yeah, disgusting levels of hypocrisy. Not only this, but in Peru itself, the government's been saying that these are vandals, that they are funded by terrorists, that they are funded by narco-traffickers. And not only this, they, they put out this the, the really surreal story that uh, Bolivia is arming uh, the protesters in uh, Peru with uh, explosive uh, ammunition and a special type of uh, expanding uh, bullets and I don't know I don't know what these are all stories that have no uh, there's no evidence for them yeah the dum dum bullets isn't it the, 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 right. the hollow tip ones but nevertheless this is in the front pages of all the newspapers in uh, in Peru and and protesters which are ordinary working class uh, people peasants students workers They've been treated as uh, terrorists, vandals, and people who have to be... Uh, and there's a, there's a very racist element to this as well. The, the, the white-dominated uh, capitalist elite in, in Lima versus the majority of the working uh, class people who tend to be uh, of indigenous uh, descent. Mm. So the usurper government um, has made a number of statements which indicate that it's not backing down it doubled down on the violent and repressive actions it's taken against the protesters but i can't help but feel that behind that confident facade the ruling class in peru and also their um, international supporters amongst the imperialist nations are worried about the situation getting out of control and it looks to me like the protesters far from being cowed by this brutal, vicious repression, are redoubling their efforts to bring down the government. They're not being beaten back. They're being driven forward by the whip of reaction. Yes, that's true. The, the government appears to be confident. Dina Boluarte has come out on the television several times saying, we're not going to resign. My government is as united as ever. But at the same time, recent opinion polls have shown that uh, the level of uh, the, the approval of uh, Dina Boluarte as president is down to uh, historical, historically r record low levels, mm. uh, like 10-15% uh, only. The approval of Congress is even lower. I think it's, it's 9 or 7% uh, now. So there's an overwhelming rejection of this. Th this is not just small groups of radical uh, protesters. These are large numbers of people. There's an uprising in mm. most of the provinces in the south. There's masses of people have turned up in uh, the capital, Lima. They are supported by many of the people who live in uh, Lima, who are not just the white capitalist uh, elite. 
And uh, the government, I would say, is against the ropes. Yes. And using repression alone uh, is not necessarily a guarantee that they will... But, but Dina Boluarte, for instance, is, is worried that if she resigns or she's removed from power, then she'll be put on trial for the killings of the protesters. And yeah, she, so. That's right. She might, she might end up in jail herself. At the weekend, they uh, sent the police to enter the premises of the National, Autonom National University of San Marcos uh, using an armored vehicle to drive through the doors, through the gates of the university uh, because the students at the university had uh, opened the premises, the facilities, the, the premises of the university for people who are traveling to Lima from the provinces to stay there, to, to mm -hmm. sleep and to eat and so on. And 200 people were arrested by hundreds of riot uh, police armed to the teeth and uh, they've now been released, but they, they stayed in, uh, in detention for, for over, over 24 hours in bad conditions. They were, they were subjected to racist taunting by the police and so on. It's really a criminal situation. But yeah, as you say, I don't think the government is very strong. On the contrary, the government is very weak and, and, and resorting to repression will not keep it uh, in place Forever. Um, but the problem is that they don't have a replacement for this government. I was going the, to say, because yeah. presumably they're in a tough spot because, I mean, Boulatte was um, Castillo's deputy. And in order to maintain any kind of democratic facade for this new government, they really, she should have been their best bet. Presumably they hoped that she would be tolerable or at least palatable to enough of the Peruvian masses that they could get away with this. And that's been a catastrophic failure. That's right. The, pre the pressure is so much, uh, the pressure of public opinion against Dino Boluarte is so strong that even uh, some of the regional governors and regional elected authorities have come out openly demanding the resignation of Dina Boluarte. Mm. They might try a number of tricks. One trick they, they could try is, is the resignation of Boluarte to be replaced by the president of Congress, uh, who will be the next one in line of succession, let's put it, this, constitutional uh, succession. But he is even more unpopular than Dina Boluarte. And the Congress mm -hmm. itself is very unpopular. The people in the streets are saying, no, we don't, we don't want a transitional government coming out of Congress. We want the Congress to be shut down. Right. We want new uh, elections. So they are in a very difficult situation. But I, I, I will say it's not ruled out that under the threat of being completely overthrown by a mass movement of workers and peasants, which is what's, uh, what's uh, leading up to, the, the current situation is leading up to, they might concede early elections, the removal of Dina Boluarte, and even the convening of a constituent assembly. But all this then will take place over a period of many months. I don't know, maybe a, a referendum for a, constitu a constituent assembly in 12 months' time, then elections to a constituent assembly 12 months after that. Right. So as to play it long and remove the people from the streets, from mm -hmm. active di direct participation and into the safe, safer channels of constitutional uh, elections. But in terms of strategy, in terms of where things go now, as you say, left to its own devices, the government might try to throw dust in the masses' eyes by offering some pseudo-concessions and drag things out get people off the streets. What do we say? What do we, the supporters of the IMT in Peru and throughout the world, think the movements of workers and peasants need to do in order to um, 
not just get rid of this government, but also lay the basis for a decent existence in the future. Yeah, in reality, what this movement has put on the table is the question of who rules the country, mm. i.e. is the oligarchy unelected, unaccountable to anyone? Do they have the power to remove the president that the masses have elected or not? Uh, I, who, who controls the, the country's um, uh, mechanisms? And I will say that this question needs to be resolved. This is what, what needs to be resolved. It's been put on the table, but, but no clear answer has been uh, given to, to this. And I will say that the movement uh, of workers, peasants, students needs to uh, focus itself on answering this question. How can that be done? The, the, the masses have shown their heroism coming out on the streets. They prepare to uh, give their lives, and many have already. But what's next? What's next? There has been two one-day general strikes. In some provinces, you have an all-out general strike going on. There's been mass demonstrations, a march on Lima. What's next? I will say that what's next, and one thing that is required, is the, the organization of the leadership of the movement. The movement is a bit uh, scattered in terms of its national leadership. And what, what the comrades of the IMT in Peru have been putting forward is the idea of a national revolutionary assembly of workers and peasants, i.e. that all the organizations that are on struggle, all the communities, all the workplaces elect delegates, electable and recallable at all uh, levels, to a national assembly. And that this national assembly, in the name of the majority of the people of uh, Peru, who are workers and peasants, decides to take the reins of the, reins of the countries into their own hands, uh, with the aim of removing all these bourgeois politicians and institutions which have ruled the country for long enough with disastrous consequences. And this will then put also the, the question on the table about uh, who controls the country's wealth. And I will say the first, uh, first point of a program for a workers and peasants government should be the nationalization of the mines and the nationalization of the 17 large-scale economic groups that control the country's uh, economy. Only on, the, on those bases will it be possible to have no more poor people in a rich country. And finally, what can we in the international labor movements, what can socialists, what can Marxists, what can supporters of the Peruvian working classes, peasantry and poor throughout the world do to support the struggle against the Congress government? Um, the day that this episode goes out, in the evening, the Marxist Student Federation in Britain, I know, is holding a joint meeting at UCL. But what can we be doing? Yes. First of all, this is an inspiring uh, struggle. People are prepared to give their lives. People have come out once and again, despite police repression, despite the state of emergency, despite the curfew, the army on the streets and so on. And uh, it deserves all our solidarity, not just the solidarity of the workers' movement and uh, revolutionary socialists, but uh, the, the solidarity of any Democrat and uh, any person who is a consistent Democrat, who is in favor of the principle of democratic election of, uh, of the rulers, should be against this uh, coup and in solidarity with the Peruvian uh, masses. And we need to mobilize the might of the international labor movement through uh, different means. One having uh, pickets, rallies, and solidarity protests outside uh, the embassies. Number two, also having uh, a campaign of explanation, political discussion, and information about what is really happening in Peru. Because as you say, 
uh, it seems that the, the the media outlets over here, like uh, I was reading an article on, on the BBC the other day, uh, which uh, the headline of which was Machu Picchu ruins closed down uh, tourists caught in turmoil. <laughs> and it doesn't tell you what is happening in Peru. It's just yeah. about a small group of tourists who can't go to these uh, very nice uh, ruins. Our hearts in bleed. Inca, Inca ruins. We need to explain what is happening in Peru. The workers and peasants are fighting for democracy and they're being massacred, they're being mowed down by this illegitimate government of Dina Boluarte. The, 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 the mass uh, forces of the of the international labor movement need to be mobilized. An injury to one is an injury to all is, is the, the motto of our movement. We should, uh, we, should, we should use it now in solidarity with, uh, with the workers and peasants in, in Peru. The international Marxist tendency has been organizing, participating, in, soli in the solidarity movement, but in, uh, I think w we need to bring this this uh, movement to the whole of the student uh, organizations, the working class trade union organizations, to to mobilize energetically to defend our brothers and sisters in uh, Peru and their democratic rights. Well, thanks again, Jorge, for bringing this very important struggle to our attention. Once more, if you're based in London or nearby, the Marxist Student Federation will be co-hosting a meeting at University College London tonight at 7pm British time, that's the 25th of January, as this episode goes out, about the situation in Peru and raising solidarity with the masses there. The international Marxist tendency will continue covering events in Peru as they develop via our main website, marxist.com. So be sure to check the website for the latest. And finally, from us here at International Marxist Radio, we also extend our solidarity to the workers, peasants and youth of Peru in their struggle against the usurper Congress government. That was International Marxist Radio. Thanks for joining us. Tune in again same time next week for more Marxist news, theory, and analysis. And if you've been inspired by what you've heard today, get in touch via our website, marxist.com, and find out more about how you can join the International Marxist Tendency and fight for revolution where you are.